Hello and welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. Today we're going to talk about one of the most important questions you have to answer after infidelity. And that question is, should I stay or should I go? And let me tell you, that was a question that nagged at me, not only right after I found out, but throughout our entire recovery journey. And to be perfectly honest, it's still a question that comes up in my mind sometimes. Should I have made this decision? And before I walk you through everything that you need to know to figure out should I stay or should I go, what I want to say is it is okay to question. Asking the hard questions is what matters. Unless we ask those hard questions, unless we dig really deep and bring up all of that uncomfortable, unknowable stuff, we're never going to get to answers. And what I can tell you from where I sit right now is I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I made the right decision. And even when I question it today, I very solidly can confirm for myself, you know what, that was the right decision. And even if things change in the future, I am confident that right now I made the right decision. That back then I made the right decision. And most importantly, that going forward, I have the tools, the knowledge, the expertise, all of that, that I will make the right decision again in the future. And I don't know about you, but to me, that is the most important thing that I can have. That confidence and that trust in myself. Because bottom line, I have myself. You have yourself. And no matter what happens, truly, we are the only person that can have our own back. As we know, being betrayed by the person that we loved and trusted the most, we are all too aware that things happen. Not only from people, but from institutions and from the world because life isn't fair. And when push comes to shove, the only thing that we've got is ourselves and our ability to never, ever betray ourselves. So with that, let's start moving through the process that I used and that I help my clients learn so they can answer the question, should I stay or should I go with confidence? Alrighty, very first thing is figuring out who you are and what you want. Okay, the very first thing is realizing 
that this is the decision that does not have to be rushed. This is a decision that you get to take your time making. Now, everybody that comes in and sees me, and I felt this way too, says, says something along the, this, like this. Everyone who comes in and sees me says something like this. I want this to go away. I wish this would have never happened. I hate it. I just want this fixed. I want it to go away and I want to move on. Oh my gosh, yes. Don't we all? I did too. But you can't rush it. If you rush it, you will make mistakes. If you rush it, you're not going to give your body and your heart and your mind and your emotions the time that they need to process. This is a significant trauma. This is a significant disruption. Your entire world view has crumbled or been shifted. You cannot rush through this. And if you rush through it, you're going to experience trauma, pain, upset, confusion, illness coming up in your body in the future as a result of stuffing all of this stuff. So do not stuff your stuff and rush through. Take all the time that you need to figure it out, and to process. Boundaries are an important part of the infidelity recovery process. And this is the first instance that you need to put a boundary around you. Whether it is with your unfaithful partner or friends or family or your job or whoever, whoever is pushing you, the very first thing you need to do is put that boundary around you and to declare, "Uh uh-uh. This is significant and I need time and I need space and I love myself enough that I'm not going to rush this healing journey because I value feeling good and being healthy and having healthy relationships. And because I value all of that, I'm going to take the time and the space I need right now to grieve and to process and to learn and to figure this out. So that's the first thing. Do not rush. Take all the time you need to feel your emotions fully and to start the healing as you figure out what it is that you want to do, as you figure out whether you should stay or whether you should go. So then that's that next step in figuring out if you should stay or should you go is figuring out what is it that I want? What do I want to do? Now, what I want you to do is just give me a knee-jerk response without analyzing things in like three seconds or less. What do you want? Bam. What is that knee-jerk response? What is that first thought that comes into your head? Now, if you're anything like me, (laughs) that first thought might have been, I want this not to have happened. And like I said, yes, we all wish that this hadn't have happened, but it did. So what is your first 
knee-jerk response as to what do you want? I want you to write that down. Write that down. I want this to work out or I want to get the heck out of here. Write down whatever that knee-jerk response is. Because there's a difference between your head and your heart. And I think, especially in situations like infidelity and betrayal, it's really important to understand the voice that's coming from your head and the voice that's coming from your heart. And to be able to balance both of those voices. The voice that's coming from your heart is that knee-jerk response. I'm in love and I want this to work. Or I am so done with this. I, I can't put myself through this anymore. Or I don't know. I am really at a loss. That is your heart's voice. And what you might even do when you write down that answer is do some little doodles of hearts draw hearts, squiggle hearts, paint hearts, whatever it is, just to remind you what the heart wants is. And I'm not saying go there or don't go there. All I'm saying is recognize that is your heart's voice. And until the heart's voice is heard, the heart will continue sending out pangs of longing, pangs of regret, pangs of whatever it is. The heart is broken right now. I get that. Mine was completely shattered to the point that I didn't think I could recover. But as I listened and honored the voice of my heart, that is where my voice started getting stronger and clearer. And I know the same will happen for you. The next thing is figuring out the voice in the head. And that's where all of these questions that I'm about to share with you come in. That's where we have to process and think and plan. One of those first questions, like I said, is figuring out what do I want? You've Answer the question, what your heart wants. So now let's figure out what your head wants. It's my guess that your relationship, before finding out about this infidelity, was not perfect. Why is that my guess? Because no relationship is perfect. Often I would say, I thought I had the perfect relationship and I was devastated. Now, yeah, we had great times and We had horrible times. Let's cut the BS and get really honest. How many times in the past had you really thought, I can't stand this. I want a divorce. What would it be like to have a divorce? I wish he would just fall off the cliff and die. Even tongue in cheek, I get that. How many times have you vented to a girlfriend to a sibling, to your mom, about, oh my God, you wouldn't believe what's going on. How many times have you read, you know, marriage help books or relationship rescue books? How 
how many times have you been to counseling in the past? It's my guess that like me, your relationship wasn't perfect. And that's okay. I want you to lean in to that imperfection. And here's why. Not to talk you into or out of what you want, but to get really real that no relationship is perfect. Fairy tales are not real. Prince Charming does not exist. But what you went through in the past helps you clarify and decide what it is that you want in the future. Were you two really good friends, but you couldn't solve problems? Were you two adversaries kind of the whole time? Did you really think that you had each other's back? Or were you always battling, you know, resentment or having some competition between you guys? What was really good about your relationship? And what are you done with? My relationship, like I said, had a lot of really, really good parts. We had a lot of fun together. Sex always worked. Conversation always worked. The way we lived always worked. But we had a really hard time. How to even say it? It wasn't solving our problems, but talking about our problems in a way that was non-defensive and non-judgmental. Instead of really hearing each other and walking around to the other person's point of view and feeling and getting into it, we were both so busy and focused on getting things done and protecting that we weren't good at really hearing each other. We had a great marriage when it was great. And then when it was bad, it was very bad. Because we didn't have the skills necessary to figure out how to solve our problems. Now, a little bit of a backstory on that. We met in law school. We're both lawyers. We both advocate zealously. And as part of that, we treated conflict in our marriage sometimes as a case to be fought and won instead of a collaborative effort. So when I found out about the infidelity and I started looking back through our relationship history and getting really clear about what kind of a relationship I wanted, I was really clear about the things that I was not willing to tolerate. And we're going to talk about that phrase a little bit later. The things that I was not willing to tolerate going forward. Because there were a lot of things that I was not willing to tolerate going forward. And one of those things that I was not willing to tolerate was our inability to collaborate. I was so tired of the conflict and the getting personal, and I was not willing to do that going forward. And because I was very clear about that, I was able to express that more clearly that, hey, this is the kind of behavior that really hurts my heart. And in a partnership, I want to be honored and heard and respected. 
And when I don't feel heard or respected, and when I feel like we're in a non-collaborative space, I'm going to start fighting and you're going to start fighting. And then we're going to start saying and doing things against each other. But really, we're on the same team and I'm not willing to do that anymore. So that was that boundary again. So much of this is around boundaries. But that was about what I wanted in a relationship. And it truly didn't matter to me if the relationship was with Sean, my husband, my partner, my unfaithful spouse, or not. I had to get really clear about what I wanted in a relationship. I wanted play, I wanted joy, but I wanted partnership. And in the past, I didn't feel like some of that partnership was there because I felt we were always, not always, often posturing, that we were often adversaries during the most difficult time instead of partners during our most difficult times. So once I got clear, again, I took the time. I had to process and grieve and feel that. And then I got clear. This is the kind of relationship I want. This was what was really good about it. And I want to keep that going forward. This is what I don't want to keep going forward. And notice that I didn't first lead with, I want you to be faithful. I am not going to tolerate that going forward. No, I'm not going to tolerate infidelity going forward. No, I'm not going to tolerate flirting, conversation, all of that stuff. But I led with the deeper stuff, the stuff that is more vital. And you might have like a push-pull inside saying, uh, not cheating is vital. Yes, you're absolutely right. Not cheating is vital. However, I think it's important to lead with what is that flavor of the relationship that has nothing to do with the cheating. Because most of us will not tolerate cheating in our relationship. To most people, that is a violation. So let's get into the like the meat and potatoes of the relationship. What do you want it to be like? Then we can move on to some of the details around that. Because the bottom line is, even if we get our partner to swear up and down and promise that forever, ever and ever, they will never cheat again, which by the way, we can't guarantee anything. What really, why? I mean, why would you want to go back to the relationship that you had? Why would you want to go back there? That's why I think it's so much more important and vital to get really clear about what kind of a relationship that you want. Then once you have that vision for yourself and for your relationship, then you can start sharing that with your partner and seeing if they're even interested. Why get into the cheating right off the bat? We already know that's a problem. Let's get into the vision of the relationship. Share that vision with your partner. Your partner might not be interested. And here's the thing. Here's here's the truth of the matter. We can't control another person. We can't change another person. The only thing that we can do is clearly communicate who we are and what we want and set up boundaries around that. 
and then let the other person decide whether they want to come in or not. And I think that's one of the scariest things that I ever did. Because in my case, my heart wanted to stay married. My heart loved and still loves my partner, Sean. But my head was really afraid. And when I got really clear about what was wrong with our marriage and what I wanted to change, I wrote out a vision, the marriage that I always want and always wanted looked this way. This is the vision of how I want it to be. And I love myself enough to know that if somebody else doesn't want that, then I don't want them. And again, that's why I got really specific about the core feeling of the relationship. It's not like I want to live in a, you know, a blue house and I want to have this kind of a dog. Those are some of the life details that don't totally matter that much. It was the flavor of the relationship. I wanted to be in partnership. I wanted to be on the same side I wanted to be able to fail. I wanted to have grace and space for error. But my bottom line was that I wanted to be seen and known and understood. And I wanted to know my partner on a deep, deep level. So that even when we completely disagreed, about politics, about religion, about our family, about kids, about anything, that we could at least know where the other person stood on such a deep level that we would be okay with it. As a lawyer, oftentimes you get a client and you have to argue on their behalf. Even though you might not agree with who they are, or what they did. Even though you might believe the other side's case is stronger, it is your job to zealously advocate on behalf of your client. And that was the standard that I came to my husband with. I said, even when we disagree, I want you to know me and my heart so clearly that you can zealously advocate on my behalf, even if you don't believe it. And I want to be able to do the same for you. And unless I know you that well, and unless you know me that well, then I don't want to be in this relationship. And yeah, there was a lot of terror, (laughs) a lot of fear around that. Because that is that first decision point of putting yourself so clearly in yourself, in your dreams and your vision for who you are and what you deserve, that you will not tolerate anything less. (sighs) So that is that second step. First, listening to your heart's voice, writing it down. But then second, taking all the time that you need to get really clear about what you want in a relationship and who you are and how you want it to be And then communicating that to your partner and letting them decide. Let go and let them decide. 
Because here's the thing. It's hard either way. Staying is hard and going is hard. They're hard in different ways, but they're both hard. Not only are they hard (laughs) either way, but there's no guarantees either way. And unless you have that common vision and you have shared that common vision and you have both quote unquote signed off on the common vision, there's nothing guiding your direction. And it makes it all too easy to fall off track. You both need that vision. Now, if your partner says no thank you, you have yet another choice. Are you going to betray yourself by giving in? By saying, that's okay, I I don't really need all of these things. Or are you going to honor yourself and your vision? By boldly saying, all right, thank you for the clarity of your vision, for the clarity of your direction, and for letting me know that this isn't what you want. And then blessing and releasing. And doing this work then of healing and rebuilding on your own. Or there's a third option. It's not just, yep, I'm all in or nope, I'm not. The third option is allowing your spouse, your partner, the opportunity to also present you with their vision. If they are ready and willing and interested in working on the relationship, one of the things that you need from them is their vision of what they want. And when they present that to you, then you also have the option of accepting it or rejecting it. Now, my husband and I did this. And it was interesting because we had so many similarities, but sometimes we just described them a little bit differently. And then it gave us a chance to really start getting in to each other's vision and to be okay with, oh, I get this. Let me think about this. For example, we are both very independent people. And we both have a lot of interests. After his infidelity, I did not feel comfortable or safe with him going out on his own and pursuing a lot of his interests. And he understood that. And he was also very clear that Pursuing his interests one-on-one was still important to him. So then we had to figure out a whole series of rules, a whole series of how do we have difficult conversations? When do we have difficult conversations? And then those conversations enabled us to connect further. Now, even if you and your partner are deciding, "Uh uh-uh, I don't want this, 
you might still be co-parenting. You might have family and friends that are still mutuals. And you're still going to have to have some of these conversations around what does this look like going forward. Now, here's a series of things that I'm going to ask you. Questions designed to facilitate some aha. Okay. These questions are going to help you decide whether to stay or whether to go. Some of them are myths and misperceptions, and some of them are just questions, and some of them are just, bam, I'm going to drop a wisdom bomb right in your lap. (laughs) But the process, the steps that you need to take to figure it out are first, creating the boundary around yourself to give yourself time. And then second, figuring out who you are and what you want and sharing that vision with your partner and letting go. Those are truly the three steps that you need to take. But here's all the questions that go in to figuring out those three steps. Like I said before, first, it's the realization that it's hard either way. And that you get to choose your heart. The second thing, and this is just kind of a wisdom bomb, is that there are no guarantees in life. You can talk to counselors, coaches, clergy, friends, family. You can do what I did and Google everything and read every article and every book and and get on Facebook and find all these communities and you can ask all of these questions. But the bottom line is... Nobody else's story is your story. Nobody else's partner is your partner. Nobody else cheated for the reason that your partner cheated. And we're going to get into reasons why, so stick with me. But there are no guarantees either way. Looking at stats doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if 99% of the people did it one way. You are not necessarily that 99%. What makes infidelity so hard is it completely pulls the rug out from under you. It crumbles your worldview. It crumbles your faith in people and humanity and even God. And it makes us desperate to cling on to something, to know something, to have some certainty in our life. Because the very foundation of our life has just come unraveled. But the truth of the matter is, there are no guarantees. There are no guarantees. And the best that you can do is, like I said earlier with number one, take the time. Take all the time that you need. Get the help that you need. Sure, survey people, ask people, but also run those answers through your body through your heart. How does it make your heart feel when you hear the phrase, once a cheater, always a cheater? Oh my God, for me, that brought fear up and down my spine. That that panicked me. It made me feel icky, like I needed to go take a shower. And we're going to address that statement in a minute. But think about the answers. Think about the information. How does it make you feel? If it like sinks in into a peaceful, yeah, I get it. Oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. 
then that answer is probably more right for you and your situation. Versus if you have fear or pain or panic or that answer isn't right for you. That answer isn't right for you. It's not necessarily that you're having your eyes open to something. It's that uh -uh, that doesn't fit for my situation and that's icky and it feels awful. So recognize that you have no guarantees, but take the information that you receive, that you read, that you hear into your body and spend time just feeling it and feel, yeah, that feels right or that feels wrong. Okay, let's talk about that phrase, once a cheater, always a cheater, because that was one that really was painful for me to hear. That created a lot of fear in me. And when I started breaking that down, first of all, it's not true. It can be true and it cannot be true, but it is not a blanket wisdom-filled statement. That is a fear-filled statement. That is a statement designed to provoke you. That is not heartfelt wisdom. Think about that phrase. It puts people in a category that they can't get out of. Take the word cheater and replace it with anything else. Once fat and stuck, always fat and stuck. Once thin and fit, always thin and fit. Once uneducated, and unemployable, always uneducated and, and unemployable. Once brilliant and employable, always brilliant and employable. Those statements are not true. We change. Life changes. Circumstances change. I get so frustrated with statements like that because, yes, we have tendencies towards something. Things are more likely to be true if, but that's a blanket statement and it's not always true. What that statement does do, however, is it forces you, if you're really feeling it in your body, to go a level deeper and to ask the question, because figuring out whether to stay or whether to go is all about asking questions and going deeper and deeper and deeper until you get to the root. Once a cheater, always a cheater begs the question, why did he cheat? Why did she cheat? Why did they cheat? Why would I cheat again? Why would he cheat again? Why would I want to continue this behavior? So think about some of those answers. Why do you cheat? Is there an addiction going on? Why did your partner cheat? Possibly there's an addiction. That's what's really going on. Can that be addressed? Yes. Can that be addressed? No. Yes or no, it doesn't matter. Is your partner willing to address that? Why did your partner cheat? They're really unhappy in the relationship and they want to get out. Okay, if somebody really wants out of the relationship, they're an adult, they're entitled to get out. But usually, there's something deeper. They cheated because they were in pain. They cheated because they didn't want to feel 
something uncomfortable. They cheated for validation because they were having a quote-unquote midlife crisis and were feeling old. They cheated because there is a because. Nobody cheats just for the heck of it. If somebody tells you they don't know why, they might not know why yet. Yet is the magic word there. If somebody says, if your partner says, I don't know, they need to go deeper and start figuring it out. Shame, vulnerability, fear of getting older, fear of rejection. What was going on? Once a cheater, always a cheater begs the question, why did they cheat? And that is something that your partner needs to answer. If they're not willing to answer that, if they're not willing to start the process of going deeper, then it's going to be really hard for you to stay unless you're okay not knowing the root cause. That, for me, was very important. I needed to get into my head and figure it out. Why did he cheat? What caused it? How can this not happen again? And I was okay being patient while he figured it out. Because most cheating is very dark and deep-seated, and it goes to a pain. A pain probably from childhood. A soul wound. And if your cheating partner cheated, it meant that they weren't in touch with that soul wound. They weren't in touch with that pain. They weren't allowing themselves to feel and heal and process. They were acting out as a way to not feel that pain. They were acting out because they didn't know what else to do. Cheating is a tool. It's not a helpful tool, but it is a tool. That for me was what I needed. I needed to figure out why. I needed to understand the why. My husband did not know the why, but he was willing to figure it out. It's taken a long time for him to figure it out, and it's a process. And just like I said at the very beginning, that very first step is creating that boundary around yourself and saying, I need time and you can't rush me. That was something that my husband also needed. He needed time around him and he needed not to be rushed. So as you can see, there's some conflicting interests there. I need this resolved and he needed the time to figure it out. But number two, <laughs> what do you want? Giving him time gave me what I wanted. My number two was, I want to stay married. I love him and I want to figure this out. If I want to figure it out and he needs time, I need to give him the time because it's in my best interest. See how that works? We can't demand something of somebody else in our own timing. I need a time. He needs time. I'm giving him what he needs because ultimately it fulfills my needs. So much of this, in a way, I would sometimes think this just feels selfish. But it's not selfish. It's fulfilling your own needs. 
What will people think? Oh my gosh, that is such a big one in figuring out, should I stay or should I go? Do you know what comes up for people I coach all the time? What will people think? Do you know my answer? I don't know what people will think. You don't know what people will think. And that's the thing. We think we know what people will think because everybody presents their life the way they want us to view their life. What goes on behind closed doors, we don't know. What people are feeling and experiencing inside, we don't know. So first of all, in answering the question, what will people think? Remind yourself, you don't know what people will think. Nine times out of 10, we're surprised. Nine times out of 10, we come up to somebody and we're like, oh my gosh, I've got to tell you this. And they're like, yeah, me too. You wouldn't believe what happened to me. And we go, what? Everybody's life is messy. If you look at the numbers just on infidelity alone, if you think about it, to a, th- a quarter to a third of all marriages have had some sort of infidelity. If you're approaching somebody honestly around this, chances are they've been through it too. I cannot tell you the numbers of people that I thought would be very judgmental, but instead will say, I have so much compassion for you. I've been through that too. So what will people think? You don't know what they're going to think, first of all. Second of all, do you really care what they think? That's kind of a double-edged sword because, yeah, I, I do care what people will think. But do I care what they will think more than what I want? That's really the balance. Do I care what people will think? Yes. Do you care what people will think? Of course. We're human. We want connection. We want belonging. We want to be accepted. However, do I care what they will think more than what I want? Let's really get into that. Do I want to sacrifice myself? Do I want to betray myself and please everybody else and not me? As women, we have been conditioned to please. We have been conditioned to be the good little girl. We've been conditioned to give people what they want, to smile, to please. This goes back again to step number two. Who are you and what do you want? What do you want? Nine times out of ten, We can come up with a solution that is workable for everybody. But if you can't, and if push comes to shove, this is your life. This is your legacy. This is your health, happiness, well-being, all of that. And when it really comes to getting what you want and pleasing yourself versus really caring what somebody else wants, it's my deepest hope that you choose yourself. If a friend or a family member is going to leave you because you stay or because you go, that is their loss. That is their loss. And it is your gain. Because you will have just proven to yourself that you have your own back. You will have just proven to yourself that you're not going to betray yourself. 
and that you are safe with yourself and that you can trust yourself. Because that's the thing about self-trust and self-betrayal. Bottom line is, it's the only thing we've got. Trusting yourself and not betraying yourself is the only thing that you can guarantee. There are no guarantees with another person. You can only guarantee that you will not harm yourself, that you will not let yourself down. And until you trust yourself fully to always have your own back, to always listen to your heart, to always ask the questions in your head, to allow your body to feel whatever is coming up around the advice that you receive, you got nothing. You can't trust another person. And oh my gosh, I know, so desperately, we want somebody smarter than us, more experienced than us, who's been through it and who knows to make the decision for us so we don't have to do that hard work. Just decide, pick it out, figure it out, it's going to be fine, and I'll live it. I'll, I'll do whatever you, I'll do whatever you ask. But that's not owning our agency. That's not having agency. That's not truly being an adult. There's all those memes out there about, you know, being done adulting. Yes, so many of us are done adulting. I get done adulting by probably eight o'clock every evening. I'm done adulting. But this is your time. Now is your time to step fully into your power, to choose what you want for the next chapter of your life, to honor your heart, to ask the hard questions, to figure out what you need. You might not need to understand why. I needed to understand why. I will say, if you do want to stay and work things out, I do feel like understanding why is important unless you are okay with it happening again. Because until we understand why, the chances of it happening again do go up. And again, if your partner needs time, that's fine. But above all, trust yourself to always have your own back, to be okay advocating for yourself. Think about this. What are you willing to tolerate? And what do you want to create? I am willing to tolerate time. I am willing to tolerate certain missteps. I, and by that I mean I am willing to tolerate awkward fighting that goes down the wrong path. I am willing to tolerate confusion and pain and growth and learning and doing things wrong. I am not willing to tolerate any form of infidelity or cheating, whether it's online or in person. I am not willing to tolerate contact with any affair partner ever in any form. There are certain things that I am absolutely not willing to tolerate anymore, and I have been very clear on that. 
but equally as clear, I'm clear about what I want to create, about that mutual respect, about really knowing each other, about advocating on each other's behalf, about joy, about friendship, about fun. And this folds right into that whole realistic expectations. Because we do have to be realistic that as badly as we want to create something different, as badly as our partner may or may not want to create something different, life is hard and life is messy. And even though your partner might be in counseling or coaching or therapy and you're working with people, things are still going to go wrong. So having those realistic expectations that I want mutual respect, I want to solve problems in this new way, and change is hard, and when it feels like change isn't moving forward, then I am okay leaving. Which kind of circles into those whole core values and beliefs. What are your core values and beliefs and how can you continue to create the kind of life that you want around those? What is the kind of emotional support you want around your, you want to have with your partner? What do you expect them to do? What do they want to do? And how does this all work together? And then ultimately, how do you know going forward when it's really working and whether you're on the path or whether I'm being a chump again and I'm being gaslighted and I'm being used and abused? When you follow these three steps, first, giving yourself time, second, getting really clear on who you are and what you want, and then third, communicating that to the other person, All of that really becomes a lot easier. Letting go of worrying about what other people will think, including your partner. Your partner might not want to stay together. You might not want to stay together. And that is all okay. If you're not going to stay together, what is the vision for the next part of your life? How do you break out of the bitterness of the devastation and create something new without bringing the ghosts and the shadows from what happened before? What kind of a relationship do you want next time or do you want a relationship next time? What are you going to take away for yourself from this experience? One of the big things that I thought about was, wow, this has taken away so much of who I am and how I thought life was. And it's fundamentally changed me. And it can't not fundamentally change me. But I realized I could decide how I wanted it to fundamentally change me. And I thought, I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be callous. I want this to make me more compassionate, 
more open, loving, understanding. I want it to make me better. And it's still a process that is unfolding. Because there were things right away that I thought, yeah, this is going to make me better. And then throughout the journey, the tough spots, because yes, my husband and I both chose to stay together. We both had that similar vision that we were looking towards. And we've both totally messed that up. And then we pivot right back around and look at that singular vision. And then things change and all of a sudden I'll go, oh, gosh, this is what I want to create from this. And then same thing with him. He's starting to realize the things that he wants to create from it, the ways that he wants to become a better person from it. And we continue that discussion. So we have that North Star, that shared common vision of what we want to create in the relationship and in ourselves. And this is important. I want to say this. We're also very clear that if our collective joint north start start separating that's okay too because we honor and love and respect each other enough to want the best for the other person now think about how this can play out if your cheating partner wants something else you need to bless release and let that go. You need to let that go. If your visions are too different, if you're each looking at a different star, you're each heading different directions. And even though it may work for a short period of time, it's not going to work for the long haul. Please don't judge your vision And please don't judge your partner's vision either because you are very different people. You are on a different soul journey. And when you start really coming to terms with, this is who I am. These are my values. This is what I want. And that person doesn't match that. It's not that they're less than you. We all want to say they're the bad person because they're cheated. Because they cheated. They're the bad person because they betrayed me. They're the bad person. (sighs) Yes and no. It's not until we can really get out of that judgment that we can really start getting into our own business, doing our own stuff, and creating the kind of life that we deserve. So in summary, should I stay or should I go? It's up to you. It is up to you. Take all the time that you need. Listen to the wisdom of your heart. Ask the deep questions in your head and then feel the answers in your body. That's how you know if it's right or if it's wrong. Look at the long game and it is a long game. Look at your North Star. Look at your partner's North Star. If they're the same Go for it. If they're not the same, it might not be worth your time. But ultimately, all the answers are and will continue to be within you. 
So don't betray yourself. Have your own back. Trust in your truth. And if you need help, please reach out. I have amazing coaching packages. I have worked with many women going through infidelity and betrayal. And most importantly, I have been there myself. Laura at lauracheedle.com or lauracheedle.com. Have an amazing week. Be strong and always remember to flaunt all that you are because who you are is always more than enough.